Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double N. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is episode number 680 of the podcast and it is Wednesday the 15th of March 2023 as I record this. In today's in between episode, I'm talking to Leanne Leeds on how she is using PseudoWrite powered by AI to help her creative and writing process. So before we get into the interview, just a little introduction. So we recorded this interview a few weeks ago and then yesterday on Tuesday, the 14th of March, 2023, OpenAI released GPT-4. Now, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you'll understand these acronyms. (laughs) But what does this mean? Well, essentially, many of these AI tools now, including PseudoWrite, which we'll be talking about, are built on large language models. These are statistical models that predict the next best step, and that might be generating a sentence or a paragraph or an image or a sound. And PseudoWrite, the tool we're talking about today, was working with GPT-3 or 3.5, the last model, as I recorded this with Leanne. And this new model, GPT-4, goes a whole lot further. So I'm sure PseudoWrite will be changing things and making it even better. And there are lots and lots of tools being built on top of these models. So I've been playing with the new GPT-4 model through ChatGPT. And in fact, (laughs) I basically exploded my brain because it was just so much fun. And it's only available for limited queries right now in the paid premium version on ChatGPT, but I loved it so much. I really just enjoyed working with it. And many people talk about these tools as a kind of creative co-pilot or uh, a creative assistant or like a an intern, a keen intern that you can send off and do things. Another kind of brain you can riff off ideas with. And I can see my own process changing once again because of the way these tools are progressing. And Leanne actually talks about this progression of use of tools over time. And, you know, if you look back 20 years ago, what tools were you using? And then 10 years ago, and then five years ago, and then even a year ago. I mean, just with self-publishing, I've changed the tools that I use. And right now, you know, I'm moving more into Shopify and Kickstarter, tools that I am pivoting into and away from other things. So just think about it that way, uh, how you can potentially progress your craft and your business through the use of tools. So the pace of change is swift and anything we talk about in this interview, you know, think about as AI changes, we change too. But the adaptability and the attitude of curiosity and the positive optimism, I think personally, is my preferred attitude. And I think Leanne is the same way. And But this is also why I date stamp my episodes, <laughs> because things move on very fast. Now, this new GPT-4 model is multimodal, which means it can take image and text input. And at the moment, the chat interface that I've been using does not have the text input, but they uh, the, the blog post, which I'll link to in the show notes, talks about some very cool applications. One of those is an app called 
Be my eyes for people with sight difficulties and blindness. Now, you basically hold up the app and it will tell you what it sees. <laughs> this is kind of miraculous. Given that our last episode was on accessibility, this is amazing and could make a huge difference for people. And uh, yeah, I mean, the mind boggles really at what's going to happen with these tools. So, there will be lots of other applications, but even as this goes out, This week, Microsoft is having an event to talk about how they are using GPT-4 in their software suite. So if you use any of Microsoft products, it will likely have some form of this in. Plus, Grammarly is launching Grammarly Go. Again, links in the show notes, which includes text generation, as well as what it usually does with checking. And ProWritingAid has rephrase uh, already implemented and other functions coming out again based on the GPT interface type thing. And I have an interview with Chris from ProWritingAid coming soon. So essentially all the tools we already use are going to integrate this type of functionality. This visual input is definitely going to change the game. And in just 48 hours since GPT-4 came out, well, in fact, 24 hours really as I record this, there are already lots of new apps being built and announced. And it's impossible to keep up with everything. And if I tried to tell you everything, your your brain would explode like mine does regularly. <laughs> but um, And I did subscribe to tons of newsletters over the last few months and then I've been culling them down and there's two I'm really left with which I think are useful. The first one is Ben's Bites and I'm going to again link to these in the show notes. So Ben's Bites, (laughs) B-I-T-E-S, you would have expected B-Y-T-E-S but no, Ben's Bites. It's short, it's daily and it normally has sort of three headlines and then loads of useful links. That's short form. And then Alberto Romero's Algorithmic Bridge and that is long form, much more considered and definitely balances out my enthusiasm. (laughs) So if you if you would like to try those, I'll link in the show notes. And if you'd like to try PseudoWrite, you can use my affiliate link, thecreativepen.com forward slash PseudoWrite, S-U-D-O-W-R-I-T-E. And uh, or you can just go to pseudowrite.com. And I also have a tutorial on how I use it linked in the notes. So today's show is brought to you by the friendly folks at Written Word Media. Written Word Media knows that marketing your book can be one of the most challenging parts of being an author. That's why they make marketing easy by providing quick, easy and effective ways to promote your books. And I'll just add a little note here. It doesn't matter even if you do generate a book with AI in one second, which, by the way, you can't do (laughs) right now, I guess. But even if you did, it doesn't matter because you have to sell your books. (laughs) You have to publish your books and sell your books. So it doesn't even matter if there are tons and tons and tons and tons more books in the world. We have to market our books. And so this is why Written Word Media, I think, is a brilliant partner for this episode. So Written Word is best known for their email promotion sites, Free Booksy, Bargain Booksy and Red Feather Romance. They have five promotion sites in total that send daily newsletters to a combined audience of over one million readers. They even have a site to promote your audiobooks called Audio Thicket. And in fact, as this goes out, I have a promotion on Audio Thicket for Risen Gods my dark fantasy novel co-written with Jay Thorne based on uh, New Zealand and New Zealand myths. 
Now, that book is in the Audible royalty share contract. And that's why I really like written word media. They have all these different kinds of paid promotions that I can use to boost my backlist titles at regular intervals. Now, when you purchase a promotion with written word media, your book is sent to thousands of readers who love and read your books in specific genres. As the email hits inboxes, you'll see a flurry of sales or downloads of your title. Email promotions are based on how many readers are in the genre and range from $25 to $500. To help you get the most out of your book promotions, Written Word Media recently launched Premium Membership, which gives authors 10% off their book promotions and special access to products and services like the new partnership with Yonder, a premium serial fiction app offering curated stories in every genre. Visit writtenwordmedia.com forward slash membership to take advantage of this discount or send them an email at info at writtenwordmedia.com to ask for recommendations on which promotion would best meet your author goals. So yes, writtenwordmedia.com, they also have a fantastic, useful blog. So check that out. This type of corporate sponsorship pays for the hosting, transcription and editing, but my time in creating the show and especially these uh, futurist in between episodes, which have now turned into present day in between episodes, are supported by my patrons who are just fantastic. So thank you if you support the show on Patreon. And if you would like to support the show, you'll get the extra monthly Q&A, which I will probably be doing next week. And uh, you can support the show with just a few dollars, euros, pounds, most currencies, and you'll get the extra monthly Q&A audio and percentages off my courses and books. You can support the show at patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash the creative pen. Right? Let's get into the interview. Leanne Leeds is the author of 27 novels across contemporary paranormal, fantasy and midlife cozy mystery. She also uses AI tools as part of her creative process, which is what we're talking about today. So welcome, Leanne. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, no, I'm excited to talk to you. But first up, tell us a bit more about you and how you got into writing and publishing. So being a novel writer was something I always wanted to do. I think I stapled a story together when I was four. (laughs) It was what I thought my life was going to be. When I went to college, I went to major in English with an option in writing. Unless you're going to be a teacher when you come out of college, there's very few ways to make money. So I found myself in IT, started a web hosting company, sold it. Then that company sold to another hosting company until I was working for this corporate behemoth largest in the world, in which case I became a director of a department, was told to fire everybody, and then got laid off myself. So (laughs) That's a real journey. (laughs) Right. In 2016, I kind of had this, I'm, you know, 45, I'm middle-aged. What do I do with my life now? I don't know where to go. And indie publishing came up on my radar and I gave it a shot and was kind of okay at it. So that's how I wound up here. It was, it's definitely my second act in life career. Oh, that's great. So you started, you found it in 2016 when you were laid off basically. Yes. Right. I think that's important because we're going to start talking about AI. Let's get into PseudoWrite. You've been using PseudoWrite since June, 2021. So you had like five years of um, I and I was talking to someone else. Like, what do we call this? Do we call this manual writing or human-only writing? But the time right. before AI, <laughs> I don't know. How do you refer to it? 
Uh, I refer to it all as writing. I don't feel like things changed a huge amount. So I, it's funny. I know that people definitely see it as different and I can understand why. But for me, it just feels like one long process that things just kind of naturally change and you discover, you know, I went from Grammarly and then I use Pro Writing Aid and then I use Pseudowrite. So just pre and post AI, I guess. Yeah, no, I think that's interesting. In fact, listening, Grammarly and ProWritingAid are also AI-powered, and m- many people use that. So just for anyone who doesn't know, what is PseudoWrite, and why did you decide to experiment with it? So PseudoWrite is a piece of software built on GPT-3, or GPT-3.5, some of it, which is a generative language writing. I don't even know, honestly. The a large language terms- model. There we go. See, you're much more well-versed in the technical stuff. It just works. I put some writing in and it gives me more writing and that's how it works for me. But essentially it's geared towards fiction writing and assisting fiction writers. If you get stuck, if you need a description, if you need 20 descriptions to kind of get your brain going, if you need to rewrite something and you want to see different ways, it will help you do that. And so why did you decide to get into it? Because obviously you were writing books. Did you think this could just make things better? I think because I was a corporate director and dealt with a lot of spreadsheets and a lot of data, I'm kind of naturally, I naturally gear towards seeing a lot of data to break free and move forward and make decisions. So I had a program that would search through EPUBs. And I could search for a phrase. He looked and just kind of flipped through all the author's books that I had to see how they said things in different ways if I got stuck. And you kind of quickly learn in doing that, that people say a lot of the things the same way. People phrase things simply. You don't always have to get really long, but it will sometimes just help me move. This seemed like a very natural progression to that, that I wouldn't have to flip through 20 things, it would give me five that were naturally different. And so I kind of petitioned them to get in on the beta when they were first starting to show it off. Mm. And then it's funny because I feel like I also got in similar time as you, but literally still the main thing I use it for is I highlight a word that are words like underwater temple and I hit describe and then I use the description stuff. It pops up for people listening. It pops up with all the sensory details and some metaphorical things. So that's literally how I use it. But can you explain how does your creative writing process work now? So it's changed. When I first got it, I kind of pushed it to see how far can I use it? How far can I go? And I know I was very public on Twitter with the first chapter or two, maybe three of my third book in my third series is basically generated by PseudoWrite's thing. There's a button called write and you can get it to write for you. I liked what it wrote, but I didn't like how I felt. And so I kind of backed up And I don't use it that way anymore. And actually, I've, in the past two years, I've gravitated away from using it to write anything. I write, but I write differently. When I'm writing, I will not worry about fancy descriptors, fancy expressions. I will pretty much stick to kind of, quote, boring writing. He looked at her. She looked at him. He blinked. She kissed him. And then later during the editing, I will come back and 
expand those scenes out with Pseudorite or use description to weave different descriptors and expressions in to color the scene from, I guess, the scaffolding of the scene that I kind of put into place at first. So going back to the very beginning, so do you use any other tools around ideas? Like are you using ChatGPT or using, I mean, PseudoWrite's got lots of things in like character stuff and plot stuff. So do you use anything around the ideation? I don't use any of that. All of my characters are out of my head. I do use ChatGPT to give me specific suspects in the mystery. I'll always know all of my books are cozy mystery and I'll always know who I want to kill generally who did it and how I'm going to weave it in with the standard cast, why they stumbled across it. But I will use chat GPT to generate red herrings or generate different suspects to throw into the mix to kind of confuse everything until it all gets worked out. But Mm. as far as actual characters in the book, the actual core characters I've never used, and I don't know why, it just never occurred to me. I never needed to. Mm. So I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. So you said there's a button called write, which, you know, I've used pseudo write. I know about that. And you pressed it, but you didn't like how it made you feel. So I think this is really interesting because you and I know it's not 100% AI or 100% human. That's not what we're doing. It's not like you are now 100% AI, but where is the line? And this is the interesting question, isn't it? So how far are other people going with what you've seen on Pseudorite? Because you do a lot of blog posts now for them, don't you? I have. I I think with... AI, even in general and writing, there's a gamut of people using it a tiny bit and using it way more than I would be comfortable with using. And I think it depends on how you feel about the technology, where your weaknesses are and what you're trying to address with the technology. For me, I'm a dialogue heavy writer and you can definitely see before I used Pseudorite that I did not describe things as well as I could have, maybe as well as I should have. So I'm using the AI to address a weakness in my own writing so that my readers have a better experience reading the book. And I'm trying to address problems that I didn't and couldn't evolve fast enough to fix, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting. You talk about weaknesses. For me, definitely around sensory description have weaknesses around smell and sound. And so I particularly find those are really, really useful. I'm really good at sense of place in terms of sight. I can see everything. I'm one of those writers who sees everything in their head and I'm terrible at dialogue. But smell and sound, I definitely fall fall down on. And the metaphor stuff I find amazing too. So I think exactly what you're saying. And I mean, another thing I've noticed is I think I'm becoming a better writer because it's almost like having a personal tutor around those things. Yes. I. It's interesting to me that when I start a book, I'm using things quite a bit as an, in a new location, dealing with new buildings, new characters that have come on the scene. And I can look at each of the chapters and notice that I use Pseudorite less and less as I go towards the end of the book, because I get familiar with what I have and I don't need it as much 
as I get further into the book and I'm more familiar and I see what it does and it helps me remember to do it instinctively. Yeah. I mean, a bit like, like pro writing aid, we mentioned around editing. Every time I use it, I learn something about (laughs) generally commas. I have to keep learning about commas (laughs) because they're so bad. But I think I read one of your posts where you're actually writing within pseudo write. Cause what I do is I write in Scrivener and then I like copy and paste things into pseudo write. So is that what you're doing now? Actually writing within the tool? No, I actually do not write. I write within Scrivener as well. And I'm Mm. cutting and pasting. I actually have two monitors up. And so my center monitor has Scrivener and all my writing. And then the monitor to the left has basically my AI tabs where I have chat GPT and I have pseudo-write up and pinned in case I need it during writing session. Mm, I love that. In case I need it. I am also the same now. I have chat GPT open during the day. And I also have mid-journey open during the day. So I wondered for for images, if people don't know. So are there any other tools that you use? I use Quillbot. Quillbot kind of cleans up a sentence. They have a mode to paraphrase sentences for fluency. And if I come across a sentence that has gotten like massively convoluted, sometimes I will drop it in there and just have it clean it up and pull it back. No, that's interesting. I mean, you can do that on ChatGPT as well, right? You can say, please make this sentence make sense or something. So the challenge that I have with ChatGPT is the consistency of the output. And I think that's why I love Pseudorite so much because they tune it for me. And while I have some ability to customize, like especially in rewrite, I love rewrite so much. Um because, and especially rewrite customize, they almost don't use anything that they provide as a default. What Quillbot does is it fixes the sentence the same way. And I, I definitely don't want somebody reading my book and to suddenly have a sentence popped out that doesn't sound like me. And Pseudorite makes it sound like me just by the way it functions. Chat GPT doesn't really. Like I can get a good bland sentence but it doesn't have that kind of fictional creative writing flair to me, to my eye. Other people may do fine with it. I personally don't like it. It's good for lists of things. Like I was trying to get a title and I just couldn't get a good title. And so I asked it for a list of titles using words around photography and demons and things like this. And it came up with like 50 different titles and that just helped me with things. So I find like it's really good for lists or it's really good for fictional research. <laughs> right. But I agree with you. I'm also like you. I don't just copy and paste finished paragraphs into my books. <laughs> right. The thing with Quillbot is that it's going to clean up the sentence, but it doesn't like I dial the creativity down all the way and just have it clean up what I've already written. So that's why I, I like it. Some of the AI stuff that's more open-ended and more customized sometimes can get a little a little creative with its changing meaning or throwing things in or and I like it to be clean and to stay true to the way that I wrote it. Mm, absolutely. Now you mentioned how much you love rewrite. So just explain what that function is. So rewrite is an aspect of pseudorite and you can have it rephrase anything that you've written. And they have some defaults right now. They have more descriptive, show, not tell, more inner conflict, more intense. I've used their show, not tell, and I think it's wonderful. 
but I use customize a lot to change tense. If I accidentally write something and I throw a mixed tense in there because I wasn't paying attention, it can smooth that out. It can rewrite an attitude. I love taking a paragraph or a couple of paragraphs where two characters are debating or arguing, and there's a little indication of how they feel, but I can ask it to add expressions on their faces, and it'll add these descriptive expressions on the characters' faces that really add to the scene. So yeah, I love rewrite. Rewrite is probably one of my favorite things. And just to be clear, so you're highlighting a passage and then you're saying, for example, I've tried this and I've said rewrite to be more horror. And then it will kind of add more sort of horror descriptions or rewrite this into first person, for example, and then it will change the point of view. That That's what you mean, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So that's just super useful. So I'm interested though, coming back to when you said you had two screens, my husband has two screens. And even though I worked in IT, I always find that people with two screens are technical. Now you said you're not technical, but you know, you pretty much are. So I wonder if what you think about if people literally have no technical ability, can they still use PseudoWrite? Yes. It's definitely a new skill set. Prompting is a new skill set. This is a new thing that we're all doing. We're learning how to talk to computers and ask them nicely to do something that we already know in our head we want. And that's challenging, especially for a society that's used to click a button, do a thing. Pseudorite is set up very, very well to put some text in there, click a button, do a thing. It has a capability of doing so much more than that. You can twist it and try new things. And because it's a neural net, what it says it can do is not the limitation of the only thing it can do. So I think you absolutely can get started. And I think when you're comfortable, you have to start growing into uh, beyond the buttons, I guess, uh, especially <laughs> with things like PseudoWrite, that the buttons are great and the buttons will help you. And you can instantly jump in and you can start getting help. But beyond the buttons, I think, is really where the brilliance starts to come in. Mm, I like that. Beyond the buttons. And yeah, I I totally agree. This is a skill set. And I feel like, well, we've been doing this. Let's say we've been doing this for 18 months. And there's lots of people who've just arrived now who are now discovering these tools and they do not know really what's going on or how to use them or how to approach them. And so there's a lot of fear and anger and a lot of issues, I think, right now in the creative community. So what are some of the objections that you've heard to using these tools? And what do you say to those objections? So I think the number one objection that I've heard is surrounding the plagiarism issue, both with what went into what OpenAI did and what they searched for to build out and train the model and both the words coming out, how do you know that you're not inadvertently plagiarizing? I'm Hmm. pretty comfortable with the latter, that it's a one in a million chance that you would word for word plagiarize somebody just because of the way a predictive model works. It's really not functionally possible because it's not a database It's predicting based on mathematical calculations what the next word will be. So I do run all my writing through a plagiarism checker just to make sure. Mm, Me too. Um, Yeah, me too. But I've never had it pop up. And anything that has popped up is potentially 
plagiarized is usually stuff I've written that's a very common turn of phrase. So that I'm not worried about. The stuff coming in, I understand people's concern. I understand their fear. And to some extent, I understand their anger that this company that's now going to make millions of dollars may have rifled through copywritten books to get an idea on how to write books. I understand that. I don't agree that it's copyright infringement. I've read the Google Authors Guild uh, court case where they search through books and then use the database to do something. Mm. Open AI up until I think last year was a nonprofit research laboratory. And there is in the U S at least, and I'm, I only know about the U S I'm not sure what the situation is in the UK and other countries, but in the U S you don't have to have a copyright owner's permission to use a book for research. Now, again, I'm not a lawyer. I could be wrong. There could be a court case and they're going to revisit it and they're going to change it. I am not super crazy frothing at the mouth about it. I am perfectly willing to understand there's a difference and something changes and to change the way I'm doing things. But for right now, I am very comfortable with what they did to train the database and that what I'm doing is probably going to wind up being completely legal from beginning to end because the court cases and copyright stuff has said research is fine. Yeah. And more than that, like you said, you are not a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. This is not legal advice at all. But I'll tell you who has the best lawyers in the world. And that's Microsoft. Right. (laughs) And Microsoft, if people don't know, Microsoft has a massive investment in OpenAI and they are rolling out all of OpenAI's tools into Microsoft. So if you use Teams at work, if you use Microsoft Word to write your books, if you use PowerPoint, if you use all of these tools, including Bing and Search Engine and all these things. So Microsoft, I can only imagine the legal team from Microsoft, what they did in order to do the investment in OpenAI. So yeah, I'm with you. I feel like the legal team there has sorted it out. Now there there are other cases, obviously, where they're going up against I'm thinking of Getty particularly for images. But again, with that one, Getty's building their own AI out of their own right. copyright images. So and none of these law legal cases will shut down the technology, right? That's basically it. If if one and, and none of them yeah. are try they go out of their way to say they're not trying to stop the technology. The technology is here. <laughs> and it's none of the, these court cases are trying to make it go away. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so you mentioned one of the issues people have is the plagiarism, what went in and what comes out. So we've dealt with that. Are there any other objections that you hear from authors about this? I have heard it's cheating. Yeah, cheating is um, the one. Yeah, you're cheating. <laughs> that I'm I'm cheating because I'm using something to help me get words for my books. And I even had I when I shared it with my readership on my mailing list, I did have a woman that's read me since book one that wrote me back and said, well, if you use it a little bit, just the way you said, that's fine. But if you use it any more than that, you're cheating. I'm not sure where this concept comes from that we authors have to 
Um, there's only one way to do it. It has to be done one way and it has to be done in the hardest, least supportive environment. Do we have to turn the heat up and do we have to suffer? Do we really have to bleed on our keyboards? It just feels to me like there's this very antiquated idea um, of how little we can get help and what kind of help we can get where nobody would tell you, you can't call up your author friend and go, I have this paragraph. I cannot figure it out. Let me read it to you and have your author friend go, well, try saying it like this. Nobody would say that that's a bad thing or that it's something you shouldn't do or it's cheating. But yet if you're doing exactly that with a computer, somehow everybody gets really freaked out about it. And I have to admit, I don't really understand why that is, because it's essentially the same action. It's just who you're asking that's slightly different. Yeah. And I mean, obviously painting and photography and then digital photography and then Photoshop, this is a continuum of visual art. And there are just different categories, aren't there? And and this is what I'm wondering, given that Microsoft is including let's say GPT 3.5 into MS Word, probably as we record this in the next couple of months. So will it be that just in the next couple of years that we won't even be talking about this? A bit like how we used to talk about self-publishing in a certain way, and now it's just accepted as a choice for an author to make. Will we just be using AI tools and not even discussing these things? (laughs) I would imagine there's always going to be somebody in the community that will always be discussing it. I hope we're not. (laughs) I, I, I do. I think, I think this is always going to bother us a small contingent of people, but I know that when I started getting into this, I was the whole reason I did a section on my side of, Hey, I'm using Pseudorite. I see absolutely nothing about it anywhere. Let me tell you what it was like for me because literally I saw nobody else talking about it. I was like, okay, either nobody's using this or nobody's talking about it or everybody's afraid to say something. So I'm going to say something. Now there's hundreds of people in these groups. Like I'm shocked at some of the names that I'm seeing and some of the groups that I'm in talking about AI positively. And that happened. Chat GPT changed the game. Absolutely, in my opinion, changed the game. And it happened so fast and I think it's going to continue I think we're going to be talking about it, but I don't think we're going to be talking about it in a couple of years with, should we use it? I think it's going to be, how are you using it? Because mm-hmm. that's what the questions are. I'm getting many more questions with, how are you using it and how can I use it to make some of my stuff better? As opposed to kind of the reaction I would get six months ago with, you're doing what? With what? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I almost left the internet because of the amount of stuff I was getting around talking about this. So, <laughs> I mean, it got really bad, but I feel like, as you said, chat GPT has changed things probably because it's very easy to use and you just go there and type something in. And then it's just, there's no barrier to entry, especially because it's free that you feel like, oh, look, and then the curiosity kicks in. And I think curiosity is what all of us who are trying to improve our processes, whether that's creative process or business processes, that's what we want to do, isn't it? We want to improve and get better and create better books than we did before. Right. My job is as a writer and as a commercial writer is I have to serve my readership in the best way I know how, and I have to give them the best product 
that I know how to give them. If there is something that can do descriptions better than me, and it can do descriptions better than me, I feel like I owe it to my readership to use that to get them a better book than I alone can write without that support. Absolutely. Now, it's interesting. So another objection, and I think an objection that's probably growing as people realize what you can do with these tools is the speed at which people can do things. We're not just generating all the text, slapping a cover on and publishing it on Kindle, but that is clearly going on. Or for example, I mean, people have always plagiarized and stolen and pirated and all of this stuff. So AI just kind of puts that on steroids. So for example, someone messaged me and said, someone's taken this book and they've used one of these tools to rewrite it with a different character name, change a few details and then publish it. Now, We've seen that happen in the community before AI, (laughs) but that will now happen more with AI. So what do you think about the sort of potential for misuse? And do we just get on and just ignore that? Should we worry about that? So I came in to the internet when it was baby. I worked for one of the first ISPs in the state of Texas. I was one of the first five people to sit and give technical support about how you get online. So I'm old and I've seen the internet grow. And at every stage of the internet, as things get open and as things get more accessible, there's always a contingent that's going to exploit it for fast money. It's happened with everything. I don't want to run through like porn and this and that and the other, but it just always happens. It's happened with KDP since the beginning. There was, you know, first the indies are going to take over everything. Then there was, okay, the indies are right, but the book stuffers are horrible and they're taking all the money there and they're generating. It's always going to happen. Yes, this has made it easier. It's another avenue for these scammers to exploit. It makes our job a little bit harder. It makes selling books a little bit harder. From my perspective, that's life. You can't stop progress or not progress just because somebody's going to exploit something. From my perspective, it's really up to Amazon with their millions of dollars to get better at checking these things and trying to keep them out. Yeah. And as we've seen with all of these things, it's like this scam pops up and then the hammer comes down and that goes away. And probably some other innocent people are caught up in that. And then something else comes along and they get rid of that. And it is, it's a constant thing. It's the same with hacking in general, isn't it? There's always someone trying to exploit a problem and then someone who's trying to fix it. So, and we want to be part of the good side, right? We're part of the use these things in responsible ways to enhance your own creative process, not infringe on anyone else. So, I mean, nobody listening to this is going to be doing that. But what I feel is that people are worried. So at the moment, for example, if I publish on Kindle, I'm up against something like 26 million books, right? Which, as you said, it's a challenge right now. But what if it's 26 billion in a couple of years? So because of AI generation. So what are you thinking in terms of being a a writer who makes money with your books? You said you're a commercial writer, so you want to make money. What are you thinking around marketing? Are you going to change your marketing? What are you going to do to stand out potentially? It's a hard question because I'm the type of commercial writer that's just happy to have a career. 
I'm not chasing millions in the bank. I'm not hoping Hollywood comes calling and makes a Netflix special out of my books. I just want to entertain some people and I want to be able to go to Disney World every few years and then I'm good. So for me, marketing is a requirement. I have to put money into marketing my books. I have to deliver when I say I'm going to deliver. I have to listen to my readership to make sure that I'm delivering to them what they want to see. They have to be quality. They have to be edited. It's the same thing I've always done. And I don't think I'm going to do anything all that much different just because there might be a flood of rewritten books coming in. Mm, Yeah. One of my things that I was thinking is that, I mean, like we're talking audio only. These are our voices. Now, of course, you can voice synth. (laughs) You can do an AI voice synth. But this is at least one more thing that makes us us. So do you think using either pictures or if people aren't happy with pictures, using voice or video to kind of emphasize their humanity behind, or even just at the back of the book, like an author's note about your life and that you're a human. And again, all of this can be faked, but I I almost feel like it's another layer of doubling down on being human. Yeah, I'm terrible at the marketing aspect because I just don't like the buy my book, buy my book, buy my book kind of social media presence. So on my Facebook, I share silly, tangentially connected memes. On Instagram, I just started taking passages from my books and just dropping them into mid-journey and seeing what mid-journey thinks, which often is hilarious. (laughs) On Twitter, I'm much more kind of, quote, politically involved in the discussion on AI and what's happening and paying attention. And then my mailing list goes out every Thursday. And so my folks know about restaurants that I've gone to or, you know, what inspired this scene in this book. And next week, we're starting to release mid-journey interpreted character images. So I, I think people can differentiate themselves by being real. Because the one thing that ChatGPT does phenomenally is marketing copy. Mm, So your marketing copy is going to have to be on point to compete with everybody else that's getting their marketing copy from chat GPT. It's incredible at it. That Uh, is so right. And in fact, I said to someone the other day, they were like, I would never use AI for my writing. I'm like, well, don't then, but use it for your sales description and your ad copy. Like, do you really want to write that? (laughs) And then people are like, well, well, I might use it for that, but I'd never use it for fiction. (laughs) There's like a sliding scale. (laughs) Yeah, I was talking to a friend that just absolutely swore that she would never use AI for anything. And then ChatGPT came out and then she found out that people were using it to make free blurbs. And it seems to be like blurbs are like the universe. We're all writers and we can write a 75 word, thousand word novel, but try and come up with 200 elevator pitch points and a blurb and all of us blank. Like I just everybody I know hates it. She found out she could get it free and could hit a button and it was so much better than what she came up with. She was like, she was done. She was sold. Yeah, I think I, it's like the entry drug, basically. <laughs> it's ChatGPT for marketing copy. But we're almost out of time. So I, I wondered, like, it feels like the beginning of something. So you said you were around the beginning of the internet. I feel like this is like 2007, a bit like the beginning of the iPhone, when we were like, why would I need that? Or a few people are starting to use it, but we didn't really have a full mobile economy for 
know, even like a decade maybe. So this feels like the beginning years of this really taking off. So what are you excited about coming? What's on your wish list for what comes next in, in AI? I don't even know that I have one. I actually think this is probably going to, in retrospect, be as kind of earth shattering as the printing press invention. I really do believe that as it matures and it gets better and it gets tuned, we incorporate it more and more into our lives, that we're going to be shocked that we ever did so many things without artificial intelligence. Um, It's a very, very exciting time to be alive in general, but definitely to be a writer, that you can do so many things. And I wish that people wouldn't have such a knee-jerk reaction to it, because I really do believe that AI is going to help, especially with voices that haven't been heard, like disabled folks that maybe can't sit and grind out a chapter, that it's going to be easier for them to write and get their point across. I know my child has slight brain damage from an open heart surgery, and she's using Pseudorite to try and write a story, which is something she's wanted to do for years and just couldn't sit to do. Mm. I think we're going to be amazed at where it takes us. I do think there's some ethical things still to be discussed, but I think in the end, in general, people are good and we'll work it out. And it's going to be amazing. (laughs) Brilliant. I feel the same way. So where can people find you and your books and everything you do online? So I am an Amazon exclusive writer, like a lot of other paranormal cozy writers. So you can find my books on Amazon and you can find everything about me at leanneleads.com. Brilliant. Thanks so much for your time, Leanne. That was great. Thank you for having me. So I hope you found the interview with Leanne interesting and that it gave you some ideas if you want to try PseudoWrite or any of the other AI writing apps. Or at least it might give you some insight into why it's so fun to co-create with these tools. And as I mentioned in the intro, GPT-4 is out now, so Leanne's process may change and mine will likely change as well. And it's only the early days of these tools. So I have an interview coming soon with a lawyer to discuss the various court cases going on around generative AI, but it certainly seems like things are speeding up rather than slowing down. So if you haven't given the tools a try yet, maybe now is the time. If you want to try PseudoWrite, you can use my affiliate link if you like, thecreativepen.com forward slash PseudoWrite, S-U-D-O-W-R-I-T-E, or just go to pseudowrite.com. Back to the usual show on Monday when I'm talking to Joseph Nassis, who writes across traditional and indie in multiple genres. He has multiple streams of income and focuses on both craft and business, as well as how new technologies could impact uh, his business as an author and how he is embracing them. So I got on really well with Joe and we had a lovely conversation. So that's coming up next Monday. In the meantime, happy writing and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. You can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time.